Welcome to Inspiration's Beauty Show. This podcast is not only to inspire you to achieve the skin of your dreams, but it's to teach you on how to care for your skin to get your dream skin a reality. Learn with me as I combine my inspirational and spiritual side, along with my skin enthusiast and professional and educated mind. I'm your host, Danielle Cerrone, self-made skincare practitioner, certified esthetician, business owner, beauty blogger, and now Inspiration's beauty show host. My intentions through this outlet is to educate you so that you know everything there is to know about skin and how to care for it. Not only will this podcast help spruce up your skincare routine and uncomplicate the beauty industry, but I'm here to help create you be your own skin master. Each episode will cover a topic to bring you closer to that master status. And the best thing is that this industry is always growing, so we will be learning a lot together. So are you ready? Let's go, Inspirational Beauties. It's learning time. All right. Today we welcome back Lexi. She was our second guest back in season one, um, which is feels like forever ago. Um, and today she's it was back only like a year ago, but sorry, <laughs> it was only a year ago. Just about. Oh my gosh. It feels so much longer than that. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, you were the second guest on, um, the podcast in that episode, we kind of talked about the connections between nutrition and skin, more of a, a generic general kind of conversation. Um, of course, such an important and relatable topic, but today we're getting a little bit more detailed and a little bit more, um, focused on one area of connection of, um, the body of skin and of course how it responds. So today we're talking about hormone health and skin health. Um, we're going to dive into the transition of coming off birth control and supporting your skin. We're going to talk about, um, how you can just support your hormones in general, and how, of course, that will benefit your skin. So it's the connection, like I said, the connection of hormonal health and skin health. And I personally am so excited for this episode because I am really thrilled that this will be an amazing resource for my clients um, because so many people, of course, talk about this, ask about this, um, are in the transition of coming off birth control, those type of things. And I'm really excited to learn from you. Um, I really love I love um, always our conversations and hearing what you have to share. So I'm really excited for that. So before we dive into the topic and before we go into hormone health and skin health, let us know about you. Who's Lexi? What does Lexi specialize in? You know, what do you do? Um, Yeah, my name is Lexi. I'm a holistic nutritionist. Um, I basically actually graduated about a year ago. And so I've been practicing for a year, seeing clients with skin issues Um, which is where my passion lies, because as you know, for like six, seven years, I struggled with like very, very severe acne. And just like this past year, I've actually been able to clear it up for good. Um, And I also have like some exciting stuff going on with my practice. So right now I see clients one-on-one, but I'm also going to start working alongside a practitioner who can do more in-depth testing. So like hormone tests, gut health tests, um, hair tissue, like mineral analysis. So in January, I'll start seeing clients, um, through her as well, like on a one-to-one membership. And she's actually the one who did the test for me to help clear up like what I couldn't do on my own. 
So anyways, that's super exciting. So I'm basically going to be expanding my practice a bit in the new year. So in January, I'll be able to actually offer like Dutch testing. So for hormones and stuff like that too, which is honestly, 100%, I'd recommend doing it because I was at like that stage where I just needed like that extra little bit of info to clear my skin. And I just didn't know where to find it. And so Katie, the girl I'll be working with, she did the Dutch test for me and that helped me like reach the full potential of like clear skin. Like it actually helped me figure it out. So anyways, my practice is still like, I see clients one-on-one right now, but I'm going to be expanding it um, into her practice as well in the new year. So that's exciting. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. I'll actually, cause I find like when you can't offer testing for clients, like as a regular RHN, you can't do testing. And it's like, you can only sometimes go so far because sometimes there's like hormones that are imbalanced and you don't want to always just guess and just give people supplements and stuff. And we'll obviously talk about that in this podcast too, because um, I'll talk about that quite a bit, how it's not good to just guess and like spend a bunch of money on things you don't know are going to work. So I'm happy to be able to offer the testing because it's just like one time you kind of invest in it and then you know what's wrong and you can get to the root problem, which is really key. So yeah, I'm super excited to be able to do that. Yeah. And a lot of people are looking for that. So that's really great. And I'm glad that I know that as you'll be a resource for me in my clinic. So that's great. Um, yeah, that's, I'm really excited actually. That's really, that's dynamic too. Okay. So now speaking of that, so obviously your passion lies with hormones and hormonal health, um, especially as someone who has cleared their skin, your skin looks stunning. Um, Probably the best (laughs) I've ever seen it. Um, so congratulations on that. I know that hasn't been a small, small feat. So as I say, you know, a big part of it. Cause I think I've gone to you for like three or four years. Like it's been a long time that I've seen you. So yeah, you know, quite a bit of it. Yeah. So, um, which I love too, in a way, because you then have a story to relate to clients and mm-hmm. it's something that you can really help and, um, kind of walk the road with them. So I'm, I'm really grateful to have this ability to even like work alongside of you in that capacity as well. So hormone health and skin health, obviously is something like we've chatted about already. Like I deal with a lot of the time. Um, it's, I find especially around our age, um, females, biggest fears coming off birth control and having their skin respond. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people stay on birth control because they're scared of it. Like it's kind of this vicious cycle of, if I go off of it, this means this, it's like a trade-off. That's what it feels like. It's a trade-off. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about what maybe tips or things they can do to help aid in that transition. Um, whether it's like they are, and this is something you can touch on. Is it something that they should implement before they go off the pill? Or is it something they could like go off the pill, have realized maybe their skin isn't where they want it to be. And then they can implement, um, recommendations kind of tell us what you would suggest if a client or a patient came up to you and said, Hey, I want to go off birth control. What's the best thing I can do to support my body and to support my skin. So, um, first of all, I want to mention, cause you said how people like women, when they are always like in this kind of like on and off, like it's like a back and forth all the time. Like if I go off of it, this is going to happen. But if I stay on it, this will happen. Um, I had actually, when I was kind of like writing out some notes for this episode, I had noted that I was like, it's really crazy because, um, women are scared to go off of it because of the harsh side effects. And I was like, does that not like 
say something. Do you know what I mean? Like we go, like women will go on the pill. I actually never had gone on it, but I know like women will go on the pill and then they end up wanting to go. A lot of them end up wanting to go off of it fairly quick. Like they only really stay on it for a few months to a year. And then it's like, people are scared to go off of the pill because they can't imagine what their body, the state their body's going to be in afterwards. And I was like, is that not scary to think that something's like, and it's taught to us in a weird way that I'm using air quotes, like masks issues. Right. So then we're like, oh my gosh, if it's masking issues and it's, you know, essentially telling my body when or when not to release eggs and when or not to bleed and all those things, it's like, oh my God, if I don't have this thing that's controlling that it's, it's huge fear. Like I hear it all the time. Yeah. And that's kind of the one thing where it's like, so since um, the pill is like synthetic hormones and it's basically replacing the hormones in your body, basically you kind of have to, when you go off of it, you have to accept that a lot of issues are going to arise. Like it is what it is. I would say it's a very rare, rare situation that someone's not going to see the problems come back when they go off of it. Like very, very rare. Um, you're going to see problems and you're going to see issues, but that's the thing where it's like, there are resources out there, um, to help with it. And which is why, like, I like to practice in this area because a lot of like clients that I have had in the past and ones that I have now are ones that are transitioning off of birth control. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you are able to put in, like invest in a resource and someone to help you, then it's 100% worth it. Um, if someone did come up to me and said, like, I want to go off the pill, what should I do? My first thing would be, okay, first of all, like wean yourself off of it. So, um, since I'm not a doctor, I can't necessarily recommend how to wean off of it, but I would have them go to their doctor or like even a pharmacist and just say, Hey, how would I, you know, wean off of this so that it's not harsh, like fully harsh when I go off of it. And it's not just like cold turkey. So I would tell them to do that. And then honestly, my second like recommendation after that would be just get a hormone test done. So get, um, one of the Dutch tests. So that is like a dried urine test for hormones. That's what I had done. Get the Dutch test done because although we know that when you go off the pill, your estrogen and progesterone are going to be low and your cortisol is going to be high. There's so many more components to estrogen and to, or progesterone. And there's even like the testosterone and the androgens you have to worry about. So there's so many hormones that come into play that it's good to just get the test done because then you know what's imbalanced and then you're not just like supplementing, like you're not going to your health food store and saying like, Oh, I want to try this supplement, then this supplement, then this supplement. And then next thing you know, you've spent $300 in supplements, but you could have just bought a test and got the test done and then taken the right supplements and eaten the right foods. Um, I'd also tell someone to have the mindset that you are about to make a lifestyle change because the effect that the pill has on your body is something where it's like, you are going to have to now do some liver work. You're going to have to work on gut repair. You're going to have to work on replenishing all of your minerals and vitamins because the pill has been known to deplete your B vitamins, which are crucial for managing stress, which is why when a lot of women go off the pill, they have insane anxiety. Um, depression is another thing that comes along with it because of our lack of like minerals and vitamins. So that's one thing is like, go into it, knowing that it's going to be a bit of a lifestyle change. Um, like you're going to have to pay a lot more attention to the quality of the food you're eating, um, where your food's coming from, where your water is coming from, like stuff like that. So 
I mean, it sounds like a lot, I guess, like I don't want to overwhelm people, but it's like when you are trying to recover from something that has, that has had such a big toll on your body like that, then you need to kind of have that mindset that like, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, like focus on this a bit more. Like I can't just go off of it and then hope for the best. It's like, you actually are going to have to kind of base a lot of the things you do around that. Yeah. But I think there's a part of that, like, okay, sure. You can look at it as overwhelming, but a part of it is almost more in the sense of, for me, when I heard you say like, oh, this is why you're depressed or why you're more anxious after you go off birth controls. Cause when we're taught, when we're told that it's a doctor just being like, you're just going to have more anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And it almost, it almost in a way gives the person, at least I know I felt this when I was transitioning off that I'm hormonal, you know, it's like this rite of passage. It's like, well, you're going to be hormonal. You're going to be off the rocker. Like, it's almost like this negative punch, like a negative, like, well, just so you know, you're choosing then to be a hormonal mess. Like it's, it's almost like this underlying dig at a person where if you look at it from the way that you just did or just explained to me, it actually provided a lot of comfort because I'm like, oh my God, it's my body. When we understand it's our body that's going through the transition, we understand it's our, our body, you know, getting rid of whatever wasn't serving us and trying to, um, like you said, restore and repair what is going to serve us. It's a lifestyle change. And I think that needs to be the conversation. Those are the words that need to be used. Those are the things that we need to say to people. So they feel they are making a good call and not talked out of a decision that they feel they should make, which I know a lot of women do. And I almost like with the, um, you know, how my doctor talked about it and the risks of going off birth control that she Mm -hmm. told me all these things, it's almost a fear tactic. And I personally did it for my mental health because I felt so out of touch to my body. I was like, I need to get myself regulated. Like I, I don't know who I am kind of feeling. And she almost scared me to just stay a numb individual. And I'm not saying every practitioner is like that. If you have a good family doc, you know, good for you. And (laughs) and I'm not trashing family doctors at all here. Like that is not, this is not what that's about. But I think even just having those words and that understanding of it's your body going through a transition, like that's huge. And I think it provides so much comfort. So thank you so much for, for saying it in that way. Yeah. And that's the thing too, where I find it's like a lot of women just find that they're like, there's so many, they get told all of these cons of going off of it. And like, I know one of the main reasons I find a lot of women do go on birth control. Well, it tends to be for skin and hormones, but I know like one of the main reasons it was um, made up is for um, like a contraceptive. So to prevent pregnancy, where what's crazy is that we've become so out of touch with like our body's natural cycles that we forget that there's only three days out of a month that we can actually get pregnant. So we actually forget about that. And then it's, I mean, and there's a chance that maybe if we're not tracking our cycle properly, then we might not know which days those are. Um, Things like that happen where people think, you know, they're in the safe zone and they're not. But the truth is that we actually are only fertile three days out of the month. So you can track that with your temperature every morning and you can track it by just like tracking your cycle in like an app and kind of understanding like the symptoms that are around that. But we've been so like out of touch with that, that it's like now we're just told, okay, like use these prevention methods. Like, I don't know if you remember in like 
grade nine, like sex ed, it was like, there was no talk of like understanding your body. It was just like, here's all the methods you have to not get pregnant. And then you're like, okay, <laughs> like grade nine, me was like, uh, okay. <laughs> like this does yeah. not, you know, explain anything though. Like, I don't understand what's going on with my body. They're just like, just use these things. And you're like, I don't understand. And like, I don't know what's going on here. So that's one thing that like frustrates me still is that we don't talk about it enough where like people just think like this is the only option where it's like it can be as easy as taking your temperature every morning and understanding based on where like your basal body temperature is at and then understanding where that is and then just being like okay today I'm probably fertile I'm going to like withstand or you know use other prevention methods like it's be as simple as that but we've been told like oh if you just take this pill then you're fine but it's like, now you don't even have an actual period. So Mm -hmm. when you go off that pill, your body's going to have to get its period back. And so it's like, people often go off the pill because they want to start getting pregnant. And it's like, well, now you're going to have to wait a year or even longer. Cause it depends how long your body replenishes its minerals, its vitamins, and it's, you know, rebalances the hormones. It's like, so now you're going to have to wait even longer. So I do wish that, you know, what doctors talked about more was like, okay, well, remember there's three days out of the month. Like let's track your cycle. Doctors can issue hormone tests. I don't really know why they don't do tests before ever prescribing birth control. Like, I don't know why people don't do that enough because that's the thing. If you just found out that someone's maybe too estrogen dominant and that's why they have the symptoms like PMS symptoms or acne and stuff like that, it's like that could easily be adjusted, but we don't address that. But anyways, that's like a tangent. I could go on forever. Yeah, no. And I I think it's important to have these conversations. So you mentioned to work with your doctor to properly wean you off safely. Um, you talked about, um, supporting your body, like working with someone to get the hormonal health, to understand the hormonal testing, where your body may need support. Um, and then you talked about supplements, specifically vitamin B, I think you said. Yep. B vitamins. Would there be something, or is it kind of based off of the client or is there some specific vitamins that are, are you've seen success with as a generic general, or is it like everyone's kind of tailored like skincare? (laughs) So, um, typically if you have acne, you are deficient in vitamin E and vitamin a, but specifically the retinol kind. So those ones are very vitamin A in the retinol form can be hard to find because most supplements are usually like a palmitate or acetate, um, one. And those ones you don't want to be taking, um, they're not really absorbed well at all. And I've actually heard things about the palmitate, I believe being carcinogenic. So, um, as good as supplements sometimes seem, there are a lot of brands out there that just take the cheap way out and make things seem good, but they're not, um, vitamin A in the retinol form is best, um, consumed through dairy. So like butter, cheese, milk, specifically like as, um, whole milk as you can get it. If you can find one, that hasn't been like overly pasteurized. Um, I know in Canada our like raw milk's illegal, but there are brands out there that make sure they try to keep all the components still in the milk. Um, so anyways, vitamin A is one that you're typically deficient in and it's best found in dairy. And then vitamin E is one that typically we're deficient in as well. If you have acne, I find the vitamin E deficiency comes from, um, overconsumption of polyunsaturated fatty acids. So like your seed oils, your canola oil, 
vegetable oils. So those deplete vitamin E levels. So that's one thing that I find needs to be replenished. Um, I actually noticed a huge difference when I started taking vitamin E. I took it like two or three times a day with every single meal. Even if I wasn't eating um, anything with like polyunsaturated fatty acids, I still took the vitamin E anyways. And I think I did that for like six months straight. And I think that made one of the biggest difference in my skin. Like that was what I needed, but I had to do it for like, like a really long time to kind of replenish those levels because it had been like 22 years of me eating like junk food and mm-hmm. all of that, like the processed food, like weighing down and, you know, creating those deficiencies. Um, those are two that I don't think you can go wrong with. Like anyone with acne could probably take those and notice a very significant difference um, and notice positive changes for sure. Um, again, it is good to like have a practitioner who can kind of tell you like, okay, maybe you don't need this one, but this one you need more of, like they can kind of look at your dietary habits too, and then decide what you need more of and what you don't, Mm -hmm. uh, B vitamins are good. If you've been on the birth control pill before you want to take B vitamins to replenish the ones that you've lost. Um, but you do want to buy ones that are methylated. So that means that they'll actually be absorbed properly because a lot of us have a poor methylation process. So a lot of us don't actually absorb any of the nutrients that we consume and B vitamins, you'll look, if you go to the store, a lot of B vitamins like won't be in a methyl form. They'll usually be in like a different form and they won't be actually high absorbable. So you don't get much out of it. There's only like a few brands that I really would trust for a B complex, like a B vitamin, um, AOR being one of them. They're a really good one. Cause all their vitamins are methylated and stuff. And their B complex, I think is like still a decent price for what you get. But anyways, um, And those are also important for hormones as well too. And then for the stress part of it. So I would say like, if someone is kind of wanting, if they're wanting to try something, like I know there's going to, not everyone's going to listen to me and be like, oh, I'm going to go see a practitioner. (laughs) There's going to be people that are going to be like, oh, well, I want to try a supplement first. Um, I, then I would then recommend that someone does like a B complex with methylated B vitamins, um, a vitamin E Uh, I personally like the lifeblood brand. You have to order them online, but theirs is a very good quality one. And then if they can tolerate dairy, then try getting like organic grass fed dairy and fitting that into your diet. And then honestly, people tend to see a pretty big difference just doing like those little things. I mean, of course there's more that you have to dissect because like there's so many other dietary and lifestyle habits. And like I said, other hormones that are out of balance, but Um, those are kind of the main nutrients that I feel like anyone who's either going off the pill or anyone who's struggling with hormonal acne will probably notice a difference with those. And a little bit off topic before we get into, um, the next little segment, is this something that if a client wanted to work with you one-on-one, these are the conversations you would have with them? Yes. So basically that kind of covers um, everything, even when I went and saw Katie to do like my testing and stuff, she also went over quite a bit of this with me. Um, so I owe her quite a bit because she also kind of like helped me understand hormones and stuff a lot better than what I did before. Because, um, I found when I was in school, we didn't like, we learned about them. We had a whole like month dedicated to learning about hormones, but you have to learn so much in a month that it like, doesn't, you don't feel like you actually get to cover enough. So, um, I give Katie credit for um, definitely like kind of giving me more insight into it, but yeah, these are like the conversations that I would have with a client. Um, and I try not to make clients feel overwhelmed either. I try to just tell them like, look, like these, the steps will take, 
we can start with one thing at a time. Um, but I find it's good to have the mindset of like kind of being all in and that like you want to make this change. So we're going to do whatever it takes, no matter what. And we'll do the change because then you'll see results faster too. And then you save money in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's maybe go a little bit on the tangent of, let's say someone is either on or off breast control, just as a general, but their cycle is regular. They don't really feel, and again, I'm going to use air quotes that they have issues or hormonal issues, but they're still noticing they get cystic blemishes. They get, you know, pimples around their period again, which is so normalized, but shouldn't be because you're like, Oh, you know, just the average pimple around my period or like, <laughs> Oh, you know, like just <laughs> the normal, the normal cramping, which uh. is it normal? We'll, we'll just no. quickly get that little segment. <laughs> so if people are just saying that, because I hear that a lot too, where it's just like, Oh, just the typical time around the month thing. And I'm like, Ooh, like just dying. Yeah. So what kind of things can be implemented for them? Whether it's supplements, whether it's food, whether it's practices, um, because usually those are the clients and, and no disrespect or anything to them, but the ones that aren't really aware of what hor- the hormones are doing. So something that can just support them in that way to help mitigate again, that's a masking thing, but to help with the support in their skin around that time. So mainly like, so me being where I'm at now in life, my thing would just be like, just go off the pill, like just do it. (laughs) But if someone is more like, no, I want to stay on it. I just want help with like the symptoms that I feel and stuff. Then, um, basically my thing would be like, try to make more like dietary and lifestyle changes, um, depending on where you're at in your cycle. So, um, even though when you are on the pill, you don't really have a true period, Um, I would still treat because some people do actually still notice like the PMS symptoms when they're on the pill. Um, So I would still treat it as it's like an actual cycle. So you want to go by kind of like each phase and you want to be, you know, exerting energy in certain parts of your cycle. So for example, um, when you are in like your menstrual phase, that's when you want to be relaxed. You want to be eating a lot of like saturated, healthy fats, a lot of protein. That's when you want your body kind of in like a rest and recovery mode. So when you start to kind of like, you know, exert your energy and like even exercise or eat around based on where your cycle is, people tend to notice quite a bit of a difference, um, with that. So it's like, once you get into, um, like the different phases, you'll notice kind of like in between, um, like the menstrual phases and stuff. It's like, that's when you want to be more, um, like energetic, you'll feel more energetic. It's like, we all have like that weird, like rush after our period where we're like, I can do anything I want. (laughs) Like I'm going to like run every day. Like, you know, you get like that huge, like surge of like creativity and like that push. So, um, that's kind of where we want to like be, you know, exerting more energy. So then when we get to our period, we can just rest and relax Um, so yeah, my suggestion would be based on like where you're at in your cycle, um, in certain phases, like choose when to, you know, when to rest and relax and when to exert more energy, like what foods to focus on. Like when we're kind of near like ovulation, um, we tend to crave, like I find carbs because we're exerting a lot of energy and our body's like getting, getting ready to ovulate and, you know, get pregnant. So we're you know, looking for that energy, but we always want to be like consuming like healthy fats and protein. Um, 
So basically, yeah, someone is either on or off the pill and they just kind of want help with that. I tell them like eat based on your cycle. And that's basically all the time though, like eat healthy, saturated fats, um, eat like good protein, like sufficient amount of proteins, eat like good carbs. So I mean, like fruit is a very good one, like focus on fruit. And then like potatoes are a really good one to focus on sweet potatoes, um, rice and stuff when like cooked properly, we like benefit from it. So stuff like that, like focus on good foods, but, um, honestly, even like in general, I just tell people no matter what your situation is, like, just look into like the dietary habits, like look into eating better, look into maybe, um, less like high exertion workouts and more like workouts tailored to how you're feeling. Cause it's like, you always see posts where people are like, I didn't want to get up and like run this morning, but I did. But sometimes it's like, well, if your body is like, I don't want to run, then your body probably doesn't want to run. And it's like, probably has to do with your hormones, um, and your cortisol levels. So it's like, do like Pilates instead. Like, I know when I have those mornings that I'm like, I don't want to lift weights. I'm like, okay, I'll do Pilates instead because it's like, you can literally lay on a mat and get a workout in. So like, you know, like tailor it to how you're feeling and don't disregard how your body's feeling. Like if you're getting close to your period and your body is like, I don't want to do anything, then listen to it because your body probably knows like we need to rest and prepare for this and you're going to want to relax. So just relax. So yeah, focus on like good dietary changes, lifestyle changes, like listening to your body, um, listening to what your hormones are saying. Um, because yeah, based on the phases that you go through in your period, um, cause we have like the follicular and the luteal phase and stuff like that, like based on all of that, you know, like tailor it to where you're at, um, which is why I always suggest people to track, um, track their cycle in an app because, um, that helps you like a great amount to understand why you're feeling the way you do. And yeah, focus on that and just focus on like good food, like good quality food is always my basis. Like no matter what symptoms or like problems and health you're dealing with, like always just focus on good quality food. I guess that's like the premise of what I'm saying. It's just like good quality food, you know, good lifestyle habits, sleep well, exercise well, based on how you're feeling. Don't overexert yourself because it's worse on our hormones if we do that. So um, yeah, good food and good exercise is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. And do you know much about seed cycling or do so you have an opinion on seed cycling? Seed cycling. I actually never tried mainly. I didn't never tried it because I was just kind of like, I am not buying like seeds and like all this constantly and trying to fit it in every day. Like, I was just like, I can't like fathom, like having to do this. Um, from some people I've heard it works. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I kind of like makes me iffy on seed cycling is that we aren't really designed to eat seeds. Um, humans aren't really like naturally, like we don't naturally really consume seeds. Like if you go back ancestrally, um, I mean, right. Like they say, like with cavemen and stuff, it was like, they were hunting like deer bears, like whatever, like meat is what people typically ate. So it's like seeds were not necessarily, um, I wouldn't say we're supposed to eat all the time. Like once in a while you fit them in here and there, but they're not really like a supposed to be a huge food source. Um, so I find that most people don't even really digest them properly. So some people who do have like a good digestive system and can like absorb them properly tend to notice a bit of a difference through seed cycling. Um, but I just never gave it a try because I found that 
Um, I wasn't like, I just yet didn't want to kind of have to try to figure out like what seeds to be eating all the time. And I also too found, I didn't digest them as well as I would hope. Like, um, oftentimes like they would cause like issues and stuff. So I wasn't big on eating them. And another thing with seeds too, is that they tend to be higher in like your polyunsaturated fatty acids. And even though it's a little bit every day, it's still amounts over time. Um, where like a lot of us are told like, oh, your flax seeds are good. Your chia seeds are good. Your sesame seeds are good, but those can also be inflammatory. Mm -hmm. So that's where you kind of have to figure out if your body is reacting to the inflammation that comes from the polyunsaturated fatty acids and seed cycling would probably not be a good idea. Um, just cause it's like every day you're eating something of that nature. And even though it's a little bit, it's still something. Um, and I also find too, we're not like, we don't seeds aren't the root cause like the seeds aren't going to solve be the problem solvers of our hormone issues like it's like we're not in a seed deficiency do you know what I mean it's like so it's like a good thing where it's like if you kind of want to if you want to get in tune with your cycle and understand the different phases then it might be a good idea to kind of like try it out so you can kind of actually track your cycle as well too and figure out okay this is what I need when um and some people do say it helps regulate their cycle. So it might be a good thing to try to do that, but, um, it's good to remember that this is not why we are having issues. Like it's not that we're in like a flax seed or sesame seed or sunflower seed deficiency. Like, it's not that our body is like, the only thing you need to do is eat flax and I'll be fine. Like that's not really the case. Um, it's just more like a temporary natural, I would say it's like a natural, like, um, method of like managing symptoms, but it's not actually solving symptoms. I like to usually when I do recommend it or when I do talk about it, or I do suggest it, um, it is more of the beginning stages of like, Hey, like you're starting out to learn your cycle, Mm -hmm. but also, as you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't actually have healthy eating habits. A lot of people don't, aren't as, um, diligent as they could be or should be. So it's also that, like, it's almost like that little, um, introduction of health, Mm -hmm. a little introduction. And I think it opens, it's almost like a gateway, you know, it kind of like opens up the understanding of what they could do. If they're like, oh my God, my energy levels like are higher. It's like, well, that's not just the seed. It's actually like the health that it provides for your body. And then it can open up the conversation of having like what else we can put on your plate and what else we can put in that salad. It's kind of that little gateway that I like. Um, yeah. so absolutely. I totally, I totally feel you about it. Not being a flaxseed or the pumpkin seed being the, uh, hormonal the, saver. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do think though, too, it's like, it does introduce people into understanding that like food has such a huge impact on yes. how we feel in how our body functions. And it's like kind of a good introduction into someone realizing like, I can add this food in or take it out. And this is the difference it's going to make for me. So I think that's huge. So I do think in a way it's like a great, like a starting point to kind of realize, okay, I have a cycle. This is how it, you know, progresses. And this is what I need to do each phase of my cycle to benefit and stuff. So I think it is good in that sense, but, um, yeah, I do have like my, like my critiques on it, just based on it being like, they're more inflammatory, uh, fats that are in those seeds. So then again, it's like, if you're struggling with like acne, then that might not work out best for you. 
Um, but some people do notice a difference. So, I mean, that's something too, where it's like, I would even, yeah, go to a practitioner and be like, Hey, should I do seat cycling? Or like, what approach would you take based on my cycle? Um, cause some practitioners might say like, okay, let's try the seat cycling and see what note, like what you noticed. Um, but some might be like, okay, no, we're going to have to maybe implement something else because based on like the state your skin is in, um, the inflammatory fats from some of these seeds might not be the best thing to implement. Um, I honestly don't, I don't eat seeds or nuts or anything like that very much. Like I don't just fit them into my diet. Like I've kind of come to the foods that I like and I just don't fit them in anymore. And I honestly noticed that once I kind of stopped eating more of that stuff, that my skin also felt less inflamed. Um, but that's also just me personally. But I mean, again, that's why I always tell people like go to a practitioner, someone who kind of can look at your symptoms more in depth and then they can actually understand if it's going to benefit you. Um, or if it's maybe something that like just shoved to the side and like not worry about that one for now. Okay. And going more generic. So in terms of, I mean, that was a little bit more generic, but we're going a little bit more just like anyone's listening to this. This is the general advice. I mean, it's, I hate saying that because that's like someone asking me what I would recommend for skin, but anyway, in terms of overall health, in terms of hormonal health, what is the best practices that someone could implement into their routine to support healthy hormonal function? Yeah. So, um, basically kind of like I mentioned before, like working with your cycle, um, and understanding like where your body's at and what your body needs based on where you are in your cycle. The biggest thing I always tell people is when you're on your period, like, don't be afraid to rest and relax. Like, don't feel guilty for like not working out for that week. Like, don't feel guilty because you need to rest and relax. Cause I'm bad for that. Um, and feeling guilty for wanting to take time to rest, but there's some days where it's like, I mean, my symptoms aren't very bad at all anymore, but when they would be bad, it was like, I would be like, okay, I, my body does not want, like, I can't go to work today. Like, it's just like, I'm not going to go to work because it's like, I just need to rest and relax and I can do like work from home. But like today it like needs to be like not a lot of physical exertion because my body just needs that chance to kind of like replenish and repair. Um, but that would be my main thing is like, like understand like certain parts of your cycle, you're not supposed to be energetic. Some you're going to be energetic and like work with it. Um, like listen to your body is the main thing, but my like top like advice and like kind of the things I always recommend people implement is like better food practices. So, um, there, well, understanding that there are foods that are going to nourish your bodies and there's foods that are not going to support you at all. Um, cause I know like the good food, bad food is kind of like a big thing right now where a lot of people are out there saying like, there's no bad food, but, um, there's things on the shelf that aren't even, that shouldn't even be food. So it's like looking into like stuff like that and understanding, okay, what food is going to like properly nourish me? What food is maybe not going to provide as many benefits and understanding that and implementing more of the foods that are actually going to provide benefits because I'm someone who like eats the foods that like some of like the natural health community consider bad, like dairy and gluten. But when Mm -hmm. I eat those foods, I focus on like the quality because that's what actually matters when it comes to that stuff. So focusing on organic where it needs to be is a huge thing. Um, Also just because the pesticides and the herbicides that are sprayed on non-organic food can actually cause hormone issues and gut issues down the road. So focusing on that stuff, eating like good quality food, 
good quality, like dairy, because usually it's like, well, dairy causes like issues with acne because it messes with your hormones. And it's like, well, if you eat the good quality stuff, like that comes from like a local farm where they're not like pumping the cows with hormones or antibiotics, then you actually notice like benefits from it, which is something that like I noticed like severe benefits with like my gut health and my skin once I started eating like very good quality dairy. And I used to be like scared of dairy. Like I used to like cry if I ate dairy. Um, and now it's like, I probably have dairy like every meal. Um, I love it so much. Um, so stuff like that, where it's like focusing on like good quality versions of good foods is like very important. Um, understanding that like a lot of the information out there that sometimes we're told isn't always accurate. Like, so saturated fats have had a bad rep for a very long time. However, saturated fats are probably the most important fat, um, for us. So that comes from like your butter that comes from like animal fats And a lot of us are told that those are bad, where really those are the fats that actually promote the most healing in our bodies, um, the most repair. Those are the ones that are going to be the most nutrient dense as well. So um, saturated fats are a great thing to focus on. Replenishing minerals is another thing. Um, So a lot of us drink filtered water, but we don't remineralize it. So we're actually flushing out more of our minerals through drinking water because like there's a thing where it's like, oh, drink like a gallon of water a day. But it's like, okay, if you went to your Brita filter and just dumped like a gallon of water into your water bottle and then drink that all day, like you got nothing from it. Um, I've actually gotten into big debates with people online about tap water, <laughs> like filtered water. I don't know if you've seen, I had that one reel I posted and I had like so many people get mad at me for saying that tap water is the best for you. But anyways, um, our tap water has fluoride and chlorine in it, which displaces your minerals. So you drink tap water, you lose your minerals. Our tap water also, if you have municipal water hooked up to your house or wherever you drink from, um, municipal water is going to have remnants of people's medication and birth control in the water still. So when you drink directly from the tap, you are consuming that, which is going to displace minerals, cause hormone issues. So I always recommend just get like a good filter um, to hook up to your tap or get like uh, a really good brand of like a Santivia. They're a good filter because they also remineralize your water. So then you're actually going to absorb water because you need um, sodium and you need like magnesium, potassium to actually absorb water into your cells to actually hydrate. So focusing on like mineralized water, replenishing your minerals, because those are like minerals are like the most important thing of like all aspects of health. Like, I don't know if you've seen people call them like the spark plugs of life. Mm -hmm. They're like, the most important things, so stuff like that, um, supporting the gut and like supporting the liver or other things too, that I focus on, but support for those will happen through like good food practices. So you don't necessarily need to go on like a huge protocol for that. Um, I do like to always suggest people to consume like healing gut foods and to consume less foods that are hard on the gut. Um, but again, like that stuff that kind of like will start to happen as you focus on good quality foods and like replenishing minerals and even like proper lifestyle habits. So like getting good sleep, um, exercising, like not overexerting yourself, but doing like good, like, um, exercise, like weightlifting or like Pilates is a good one walking every day, like stuff like that. But, um, yeah, that's a lot of things, but like, I don't know if I could think of like one specific thing, but like generally for anybody that would be like, my suggestions is like, start like, and you don't have to do all of it at once, of course, but start like looking into like foods and like 
good quality foods and like understanding that maybe not like everything that we are like told is always right. And it's like, I know there's like, even in the natural health community, like we have a mainstream part of natural health, which is like the part that tells you like, these foods aren't actually bad for you or whatever. Like they'll say like, Oh, like you can consume like packaged um, fruit loops, like whatever, like stuff like that. It's not actually that bad for you. Or it's like, well, the dyes and then the flour it's made from that's like sprayed and like contains all these chemicals. Like it's like, you'll run into stuff like that in your health journey where you'll be like, Oh, I feel better because someone's saying I can eat junk food where it's like, be like discerning and understand like, okay, if this doesn't serve my body, like what you had said earlier and stuff, like understanding like that, um, the pill and stuff wasn't serving your body and stuff like that. And it's like understanding that certain foods aren't going to serve your body either. And like implementing the right ones, um, is key, but it's always good. Like to just have discernment and like be your best advocate. Like, you know, your body best yourself. And if you don't think you do, then see a practitioner who can help you understand it better is like my main biggest thing is like you said, like, even if you took all that advice, it's like learning your body, listen to your body. I say that about skin all the time. What Mm -hmm. works for me might not work for you, even though it could be the best moisturizer under the sun. It, it like it's, it's learning your body, learning your skin and being aware of your symptoms or what, what kind of comes with that. So in that way, what would be, okay. So obviously nutrition, we've heard a million things about, about eating well, what would be one of the worst practices, um, routines that you've heard, or that's maybe marketed that's actually incredibly harmful in terms of healthy hormone function and regulation. Like what's a, a, I don't like the word bad, but what would be the worst practice that someone maybe is doing? Maybe they're thinking they're doing a good practice. I don't know. Like maybe they're doing something they think may be helpful, or maybe they're not even mindful of it. Um, one thing I think about with that, I talk about with clients is ingredients in your products. You don't Mm -hmm. even think about it. You don't even realize it. Um, but that has so much influence on your skin health in terms of in every which way. And of course, hormone health. So what would be something that maybe people aren't aware of? That's not a a fantastic practice. Yeah. So, um, honestly, when you're saying that first thing that came to mind, um, for hormone health, one of the not good practices is, um, and this one might, uh, anger some people, but veganism Um, I actually was vegan for a year, so I have lived to tell the tale and I can tell you that my hormones were an absolute mess while I was vegan. When I, um, was done being vegan, they were a mess. Um, I didn't start to see regularity in my cycle until I started eating meat and healthy fats again. So the problem that I have with, um, more the veganism thing is that it's a lot of carbohydrates and it's usually a lot of carbohydrates that aren't absorbed properly. Like it's a lot of beans and legumes and chickpeas. And we're often told like, these are really good foods. However, we don't tend to absorb them very good. Like we don't tend to digest them properly. So like, I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I eat chickpeas, which I haven't in probably like a year or two, but whenever I would eat them, it's like, I would have the worst stomach cramping because no matter how I tried to eat them, my gut was just like, I don't like this at all. And I don't think it matters how good your gut health is. They're just something that it's like, your body is not going to absorb. Um, anyways, going like on tangents here about the stuff, but, um, veganism tends to miss 
the important aspects of hormones. So we need saturated fats for healthy hormones. We need like protein for healthy hormones. Like our cells are made up of protein and fat and we need those, um, to promote healthy hormones. Um, protein and fat are also good for like insulin and insulin production. And even like that hormone itself, like for our blood sugar, if we have too much insulin, then our, like we get, that's where we get the breakouts and stuff. Like our hormones go out of whack, but also too, it's like a lot of people. Yeah. The blood sugar spikes. And that's the thing where it's like, when I was like vegan, I remember like feeling nauseous constantly because it's like, all you're eating is like, it's like, even though chickpeas have protein, it's like, they're mainly carbohydrates. So you're just loading your body with like these sugars. So then your body doesn't know what to do with all the sugar and the glucose. And it's like, you get like these huge spikes, but then you crash because you're not having sufficient protein and fats to like satiate that. Um, so anyways, veganism is one that I don't think is good for hormones at all. Um, yeah, that's one that I know a lot of people get like touchy on because veganism is so promoted because we're told um, that we need to start eating plant-based because our world's crumbling because we eat cows, which is not true. Um, but I also uh, think there's some merit in that too, is like, again, I obviously skin is where I bring it back to, but it's learning what works for you, but also that a one like generic thing doesn't always isn't always the best mm-hmm. and that you can add if you don't have that stomach cramping for example from chickpeas like there's nothing to say that you can't have one night where you're plant-based and the next night you have meat like I think sometimes in our world with nutrition with skincare it's almost like you're put in a box and you live in that box so it's like you either are vegan or you're you know you can't like stray outside of the box or I don't know how to articulate it properly, but I think giving the permission slip that again, like it's kind of honestly going back to learning your body and listening to your body and doing what feels right to support you and not being so obsessed with a quote lifestyle or a term or a name. Um, I find that with skincare too. Like some people will come to me and they're like, I only want organic or I only want medical grade. And it's like, Whoa, like they, they can be blended. Like there, there is a happy medium here. Like we're allowed mm-hmm. to be dynamic. We're allowed to be, you know, using a really simple cleanser with doing micro needling. Like there, it can be medical. And like, I don't know, like sometimes it's like, there's a fear to step outside of a box. It's almost like they want to belong yes. in a box. And that's what I found. But that's what I found. Like when I was vegan, it was like one of those things where it was like, if I ate one meal that wasn't vegan, it's like, who am I? Like, I am not a good vegan. Like that was my problem with it too. And I actually had a friend like that too, who she was vegan for like so long. And I remember her like last year telling me that she thought that she should maybe stop being vegan, but was like, not sure. Cause she's like, everyone knows me as like the vegan girl. And it's like, okay, but that doesn't like, that's, it's not like about who you are. Like, that's not, you're not like destined to be like, you know what I mean? Like that title doesn't matter because it's like when your health also comes down to it, are you going to like care about what people think? It's like, no, because it's like, you need to make a lifestyle change and dietary change. But that's another thing too, where it's like, if you're so strict on like, well, I can't eat anything vegan. Like I can't eat any like plant-based meals once then it's Mm -hmm. like, then you're stuck in a box as well too. Or it's like, sometimes I go places and it's like, 
if I go somewhere and like, I'm more like ingredient conscious and I don't say that I'm strict on myself. I just more don't see, um, it worth consuming ingredients that I know won't like support my body. Like, I just don't see it worth it because once you've had like acne and you've seen the effects that some ingredients have on your acne, no matter what, um, sometimes I go out. And so for example, like, I don't know if I was at like a baby shower and like the meal options or whatever, or the food options, like any of like the protein options, say for example, weren't like, just like the meat wasn't cooked how I would cook it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like something where it's like, I looked at the ingredients and I was like, Oh, I don't really want to eat that. Like, I don't know. Some stuff has like artificial flavoring. Then it'd be one of those things where I'd be like, okay, I guess today I'm eating like fruit and veggies and like whatever. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I guess like, while I'm here, I'm going to snack on like other things or it's like, you can't just be like, but I have to eat meat because I know that's what it's like best for me. And I can't be like omnivore about it or, you know what I mean? And that's what I agree with I you is it's like, you have to kind of like cut yourself slack in those situations and be like, I can't be like so strict about it, but understand that when you have control over it, that's like, it feels good. Like at your own home to be like, okay, this is what I like to eat. And I can eat this. Cause you know, I have control over what I'm eating. Like I can eat this and I can feel good about it. But I think that's the biggest thing, right? Is, is learning your body and doing what feels good and not doing it. And I, even your comment about you and your friend about, um, potentially like not being vegan. It's like, it's such a heavy, like I had such a heavy heart because I can relate to that too, where people are like, Oh, I didn't know you ate that. And it's like, I eat for when I, I mean, I could talk about this forever, that kind of thing. Cause it's almost, it's almost triggering. So I want to just give a little prelude to potentially people who are listening to this is, We're not saying that you can't live a certain way. We're just really trying to articulate to maybe look at ways that your body is craving things that we're quote, not allowing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned a lot about that, even in things that I, again, quote, didn't allow myself to eat. Um, And I learned that a lot through you, Lexi is like, it, it, it's not necessarily that black and white. So I guess we're all trying to say is it's not all that black and white. Well, and also too, it's like quickly just going to point, like it's understanding too. It's like, if you're craving sugar, it's like understanding, okay, like I have options to either eat like a candy bar or like fruit or like, you know, there's options for that sugar that you're craving. And it's like, you have the options to cut, you have the freedom to choose which one you want to eat. And it's like, when you understand like food in your body properly, then it's like, you can still like listen to your body, but nourish it at the same time. So it's like when you're like, okay, I'm craving like sugar. Well, then I'll go like eat like, you know, like a bowl of fruit or like I'll make a smoothie with fruit. Like that's kind of like my basis. It's like, oh, I'm craving something sweet. Well, like, oh, strawberries sound delicious right now. I'm like, I'm going to eat that. And it's like understanding you can still listen to your body, but still nourish it at the same time where some people are told like, we'll just listen to your body and eat what you want. And then people go down like the spiral of like, well, all I wanted to eat this weekend was like sugar. So all I ate was like candy all weekend. So it's like, yeah, understanding that stuff, knowing too, it's like, um, just being intuitive about it. Like you said, it's like, just like listening to what you want, but like understanding what's going to be the best option for you based on like your situation. Yeah, that's huge. So I'm going to wrap this up with you. I'm going to ask a question for you. And I asked it the last time you're a guest on the, Oh, I think I remember it. (laughs) Um, and I don't know. So I asked you what makes you internally beautiful and what makes you externally beautiful, but your last answers. So you have to give something different. So your last answers, you're internally beautiful. You said that you were, um, 
you had a strong personality that you love, that you were outgoing, um, like a vibrant individual, um, that you had a helpful heart and that you were really proud at that point too, a year ago, you're really proud of the confidence that you built up in yourself. So not mentioning any of those, what makes you internally beautiful? Oh gosh. Um, I listed so many things last time. So now I'm like, what do I say? Um, I think, I don't know. I feel like it's my ability, um, to like, just make people smile, like to always make people laugh. I find I'm like a very, um, like I can be like a very like open person. I think, um, my like openness and like my, I guess, yeah, like my friendliness. Did I say, I didn't, I guess I didn't say that last time, but like, that would be kind of more what I would say. Um, yeah, like I I agree with that, that, or like kind of not to not like, I'm going to say strong personality, but that like, I have become more like confident in what I believe and that I'm someone who sticks to like my beliefs. And that's something that I also am like very proud of with myself is that like, when I believe in something, I stick to it. And, um, I get very passionate about it, which sometimes might bite me in the butt, but, um, that's something I'm definitely very proud of. And I think that's always a good thing to have because, um, if you don't have like a set of beliefs that you stand on, then you don't feel very, like, I feel like having a set of beliefs and sticking to them, feeling very passionate about them is very crucial to feeling very, um, organized in life, like feeling very like good in life and like in control of what you're doing. Um, so yeah, that's something where I can definitely be proud of that, that I have like my beliefs in all aspects of life and health and everything. And I stick to them and I find like, it gives you like that sense of like security and control. You're like, I know like what I believe in and I'm going to stick to it. And this is how I'm going to live my life. And you know, you do it and it just feels good. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And what makes you externally beautiful? This is always one that makes people uncomfortable. And last time you said you loved your nose, your cute nose. You're not allowed to say that one again. So give us something different that you love about yourself externally. Um, well, okay. One thing I would say, well, now my skin is one big one. Yes, I was hoping you were going to say that. I was hoping you were going to say that. But also, also, um, one thing that I like always feel really randomly grateful for is, um, the shape of my lips. So like with, um, cause I know like lip injections are a big thing where it's something I've never considered because luckily I was, um, gifted my dad's genetics. Um, and I, my dad has like big lips like this. I don't know why, like the, it's just what it is. It must be like a Garrow thing, um, Mm -hmm. for my dad's side, but I was lucky to get them. And I've never like looked at like, you know, bigger lips and been like, Oh, I wish I had those. Cause I know it's like a huge thing right now where I'm like, I'm like, oh, like I just, you know, they're there and I can't imagine like doing anything to them because they probably would be like (laughs) insane. Um, And I actually remember when I was like in elementary school, I had one person had actually like made a comment about them that maybe like feel insecure about having like bigger, fuller lips. But then now as I'm older, I realize, okay, maybe I like should be proud of these things. (laughs) Totally. I'm so glad that you said both of those things because they're very relatable and they're, you're right. It is um, a big fat. And for those of you guys listening, like I encourage you guys to think of something that makes you, I mean, of course, internally beautiful, but externally beautiful is usually the one that makes us most uncomfortable, which is bizarre. Um, and I've talked about this every single time I ask this question of it's, you're allowed to be proud of something that you have physically. 
We don't have you, to. And you can tell when someone is proud of something. Like, it's like when I am like, when I'm having like a good like skin day, which now um, I have quite a few good skin days. And when I do, it's like, I think like it reflects onto people. Cause when you go out into like the world and even if you're like grocery shopping, but it puts you in that, that good mood when you can think like, I like, you know, I have this thing and it's like amazing. And everyone can see that I have this thing going on on my face. And it's like, yeah, it's like, even too, it's like when you have a good hair day, I think it reflects onto other people because you just feel so good. And then you go out feeling good and you're in a good mood. And yeah. So I think it's good every day to like look in the mirror and be like, this is good. I like this about myself and like go outside and then be like, just reflect it onto people. Yeah. Radiate the beauty. Well, thank mm-hmm. you so, 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 so much for being on the podcast again. Um, I have no doubts that we'll be chatting more and having <laughs> another episode. It's or, oh, yeah. been a year, but it's probably going to be shorter than that, that you'll be back on. So thank you so, so much for spending the time with us. Um, how can someone get in contact with you? How can they either learn with you, learn about you? Um, what can they yes. do? Um, so main thing I I guess I would say is, um, my Instagram. So at holistic Lex, so H O L I S T I C L E X. Um, I guess you can probably, I guess you have shared it with people and stuff before too. So you'll have all of that, but, um, my business Instagram holistic Lex is like the main place, um, to find me. And then through there, there's a link to like my website to contact, like my email and stuff. But honestly, if someone just wanted to shoot me a DM, I'm always happy, um, to answer that. That is also where I'll be posting more about, um, like about my new practice and stuff with Katie and where like, I'll be expanding into. And that's where I'll be sharing a lot of like, um, hormone health posts and a lot of skin posts and stuff. Like that's kind of where all my main stuff happens. Um, I have a TikTok, but I don't use it that much because I just find it like so hard to make TikToks sometimes. <laughs> I'm better with reels because reels are more laid back, I find. So um, anyways, yeah, Instagram's the main place to find me. And then there's links to like my website and everything there. And then also to my podcast as well. I know you're I waiting, waiting for, for me that. to say like, that. <laughs> <laughs> because I have actually talked about um good skin advice, bad skin advice, and seed oils and stuff on my podcast so far. And I've also talked about um, eating healthy with a budget, which is something that I do right now and that I've always done um, because that's life, especially right now. So I do have like info and stuff on my podcast as well. And yeah, I guess, what's that? The name of your podcast. Oh, Holistically Inclined. There we go. Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad. Um, Yeah. It's gonna say, yeah, those are the places to, to find me. One. But yeah, I'll be talking a lot more on my Instagram, probably about like how I'll be working with Katie and stuff, which is exciting. So yeah, there's lots of like good things to come in the new year. So I'm excited. Amazing. I'm excited for you. And I'm again, like I said, I'm really excited to have a resource for clients too. Um, handing off the torch to someone else in their specialty and in their master craft. So yes. so grateful for you. So thankful. Um I'm so blessed to learn alongside of you as well. So thank you so much for joining us today. Of um, course. And I'll make sure I put all that information in the show notes for everyone to get in touch with you as well. Lovely. Thank so you. everyone listening, thank you for tuning in and stay internally and externally beautiful. All you inspirational beings and we'll chat soon. Bye.